What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt. I'm your host, Jordan, and with me is my co-host, Jared. How's it going? It is going well, Jordan. Thank you for asking. And how about yourself? Going pretty good. Getting ready for Christmas. Yeah, me too. I got a bunch of pagan rituals of getting ready to prepare for, you know, so. Yeah, I've been wishing people Io Saturnalia as I've been wandering down the street like a good atheist. Making sure I get extremely angry when someone wishes me a Merry Christmas. All the usual rituals that are in the Atheist Handbook. It's Happy Holidays. Right. Well, we have to make sure that the war on Christmas continues. Yeah. We're doing our part. (laughs) Right. So today we're going to be talking about Christmas, as you probably gathered. And we're going to be examining the claims often by atheists, so not necessarily. I've heard it from religious people, too, that Christmas as we know it today is nothing but a pagan holiday. Basically, Christians back in the day stole all this stuff from pagans and they just rebranded it as Christian and then went on their merry way. Right. So didn't you know that Mithras was born on the 25th or Saturn or whoever it is with the person you're talking to? And also, don't you know that the Druids used to use trees? All of these things that you've probably heard at a Christmas party uh, and just nodded along with and said, okay, that makes sense. Well, we're here to tell you it doesn't make sense. So Before we do that, though, <laughs> we're <laughs> going to tell you about a false equivalence fallacy, which is the fallacy of the day. So the false equivalence is pretty straightforward. It's when someone asserts that two or more things are the same, they're equivalent, and that that is false, hence false equivalence. Uh, usually it's be- they share some characteristics, but they don't share all characteristics or all relevant characteristics, and there are notable and relevant differences between them. Yes. Sometimes this is done to make it seem like two opposing sides of an argument hold equal weight when really they don't do that. Uh, and a common thing that, you know, the layman way of putting this is people are comparing apples to oranges. Right. Because apples and oranges are both fruit, but they're significantly different. And perhaps you shouldn't compare them. Right. Yeah. Unless you're comparing so, uh, like fruits, I guess, in which case it's fine. Yeah, but at that point, the fruits like uh, – another way to put it was like um, Mr. X committed murder, uh, Mr. Y once littered, therefore both are criminals. Like, Which may technically be true. However, if you're saying therefore they're the same, like they're both criminals, we should treat them the same. Correct. That's obviously a false equivalence because one right, is yeah. significantly worse. Obviously, the litterer far worse. Yeah. We don't want no littering around here. So Yeah. Take care of Mother Earth. Speaking of Mother Earth and vaguely pagan-sounding things, uh, it is the 15th of December when you guys are – or when this is released. I don't know when you're listening to it. And since Christmas is coming up, let's talk about Christmas. Specifically, like we said, the claim that Christmas is a pagan holiday. And I've heard this mostly from atheists, like we said. I've also heard this from some very uh, fundamentalist Christians – who have gone so far as to say, like, you shouldn't celebrate Christmas because it's a pagan holiday. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I have heard that as well. Um, But, you know, it's important as skeptics that we examine all claims, you know, especially ones from our own side. Um, And, you know, even those ones where you may take it at face granted, like, hey, that sounds plausible, uh, but we still need to look into it. (laughs) Because as we will see... 
it may or may not hold water. Right. Before it's one thing to say, okay, that sounds kind of plausible. Before you go repeating it, though, maybe do some research yeah. or some Googling at least. So before we jump into this, let's get some definitions out of the way. First of all, what is a pagan? Well, that's the people who run around in the woods naked and, you know, murder chickens, right? I think, yes, I think all pagans do that. Yeah. Uh, but in this context, that's modern pagans, though. In this context, ancient pagans, uh, if you had gone back in time and you asked somebody if they were pagan, first of all, they wouldn't be able to understand you because you'd be speaking English. <laughs> but suppose you had studied ancient languages and could talk to them. In the, in the ancient world, like uh, the early Romans or maybe during Jesus' time, no one would have understood what you meant when you said pagan. Like, am I pagan? It, it would have been a strange thing to say because there was no pagan religion. Basically, pagan is a term that we use and ancient people a little bit later used to reference anyone who wasn't Jewish or Christian. So you're either Jewish, Christian, or pagan. But that pagan covers a lot of territory. Yeah. A lot, like basically every other god besides the Abrahamic god, like right. Which kind? It, it almost shows like history being written by the victor. The fact that every god of you know all of the local cultures over the entire tapestry of the world, they're just lumped into one thing, which is something to remember. Pagan culture was extremely pluralistic. Every yes. single place they had different. They were gods, you know, without. You couldn't possibly count them all. Gods all the way from the hearth to the individual household to the city to the nation or people. Gods of the field, gods of the forest, gods of the rivers, gods of the trees, gods all over the place. And there was no one way to worship the gods. You could have like – there wasn't a church of Saturn that dictated how Saturn was to be worshipped and enforce their rule. That right. just in, Yeah. In fact, if you were to visit somebody, you would practice – like and you were doing their rituals, you would go along with the way they were doing it. You wouldn't be like, "No, my guy says I can't do this." You would just say, "Okay, cool, we're doing this today." Like, yeah, yeah. As long as you were giving the gods their due, it didn't really matter in what way you did it. You just did it in the traditional way that your forefathers had done it. It was just, yeah. it was, and it was a very public thing. So you could go to a worship festival for Dionysus or Mars or whomever in Rome, and then go to a festival for a similar god somewhere else, and the two may look almost nothing alike. And that was fine. It was also common for the pagans to borrow gods. And I don't mean like they're stealing gods like, oh, you have a god of the field? We have a god of the field too. They're probably the same person, you know? And it was just fine. Like they, they, were, they were super chill about it. <laughs> yeah. All they cared about was that you, you did, in fact, honor the gods. Right. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, you can see this very clearly in the, in the Old Testament narrative is that the Abrahamic God, uh, Yahweh or Elohim or El, whoever his name is at the time, would get really mad at the, the Hebrew and the Israelites for doing that very thing, you know? So. Right. So... Uh, pagan isn't pejorative in any way. In this context, all it means is anyone who isn't Christian, but it, you have to keep in mind, it'll be important for this conversation, it covers a huge variety of cultures and customs, not just by region, but also by time, how a certain festival or worship was done, you know, 300 year, 300 BCE may be different in 200 CE, 
you right. know? And so when we're being told that, you know, something was stolen from the pagans, we need to immediately go, okay, which pagans at what time? And like, what specific thing was it, you know? Right. Cause you need to be more specific. Yeah. Also, uh, on that, you have to remember that correlation doesn't equal causation, which is a thing that I'm sure everyone has heard. But when we're going to be talking about celebrations and things like that, we have to remember the common thread in all of these are human beings who are in a shared culture. The Christians in the ancient world were part of the culture that they were in. They held themselves apart a little bit. They had their own group identity as Christian over and above being Roman or Greek or whatever. But they're still steeped in the same culture, right? And just because elements of a, of a festivity are similar doesn't mean that one stole it for the other. For example, at my wedding, we danced and we ate food and people sang sometimes when they were drunk. And I'm sure if you went to almost any wedding anywhere in the world, you'd find people singing, dancing, and drinking and eating food. It doesn't mean we got our religious traditions from <laughs> Russia or something. You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah, people sing and dance and eat food. That's not very, you know, people give gifts. Okay, that's not that unusual, you know. Right. So it 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 is interesting to say, oh, look, we celebrate in a similar way to how they did. That doesn't mean, though, that there's like a direct inheritance there. Right. We need actual evidence that something was stolen or a specific reason something was adopted and then rebranded. So now that we've taken care of all the definitions and everything, laid the groundwork, let's get into some of the specific claims. The first claim being the big one, uh, that Chris, that Christmas is essentially a repurposed feast. They took a pagan feast, whether it's uh, Saturnalia or the Solstice, whatever, just packaged it up wholesale and said, you're Christian now. And that's how it was. Yeah. And this one is particularly is the, the winter festival or the winter feast of Saturnalia. And it occurred around the winter solstice. Jordan's going to talk about the specifics of the dates in a little bit. But what we need to know for our purposes is what actually was Saturnalia. So it was a Roman holiday um, and it honored the Roman god Saturnus or Saturn. <laughs> and what did they do here? So they consisted of animal sacrifice. So they followed... And it was followed by a public banquet. So they would sacrifice the animals and then they would have a big feast where everybody would eat the animals that were sacrificed. And this was done to honor that God. Which is a very common thing, not just of Saturnalia, but of sacrifices in general. Right. They would they would sacrifice the animal, they would cook the meat, and then the God would get like the, the scents and stuff. They get and the then, smell but the goods. God, yeah, <laughs> but the God doesn't want the meat actually. Super convenient. I guess we get to have it, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, one cool thing about uh, Saturnalia is that they had a, a statue of Saturn, uh, Saturnus, I think is how it's pronounced, but they would put him on a couch so he could like chill with them and enjoy everybody eating dinner together and getting drunk. So Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the holiday as described in ancient sources, and again, varied from place to place, but the way it's described in ancient sources is a very festive, uh, flamboyant affair. Uh, some things, some common things were reversals of roles and fortunes and violating of normal cultural norms. So the patrician class would normally like wear a toga, which was the sign of their wealth and prestige. They would get rid of the toga and wear a more like brightly colored festive outfit. The There would be a lot of drinking and gambling, which was normally not allowed. Uh, slaves were allowed a lot more freedom or at least the illusion of freedom. They 
would eat with their masters, sometimes even before their masters or served by their masters. They were allowed to talk back to their masters to a certain extent, though the, <laughs> you may want to cool yeah. your jets on that because Saturnalia doesn't last that long and you're, <laughs> you're still a slave afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Hey, the weekend's over. Remember what you called me the other day? <laughs> right. But yeah. there are recorded uh, instances in ancient texts of these sort of things. And another thing that they did was exchange gifts. Uh, specifically, the gifts tended to be little votive candles, which makes yeah. sense because it's like nighttime, you know, or clay figurines, right? It turns out that they actually became more personalized as the time went on. And some of these gifts would include like personalized poems and things like that. So there was some of this gift giving where it became like thinking of the person and getting something specific for them. But that was much later on. So, And if you're interested in reading more about this from an original source, uh, Macrobius wrote a uh, text on Saturn- Saturnalia. So you yeah. could read like what from I think he was in 400 CE or so. Yeah, you can but, get the uh, – there's a translation and stuff out there that you can read online. Uh, it's pretty, pretty accessible. Um, one of the other common claims for not just Saturnalia but it was also that Yule – was um, another feast that was adopted as this pagan religion and rebranded into Christianity. So the thing about Yule is we actually don't know very much about Yule, like the old Yule. Um, Where was Yule celebrated? So remember, we have have to ask what pagans at what time. So Yule was celebrated in the the Germanic countries. So think Vikings, basically. Um, But... Ireland, um, Iceland, Norway, uh, those kind of – that area of Europe. Um, And so what we do know about it though is comes from uh, St. Bede who was around 700 and he was a missionary uh, at a monastery up in – I believe it was the Gauls. I'm not sure exactly where, but just look up St. Bede and you can find out. And he had documented some things about it. And from what he says is that they had feasts and sacrifices and, of course, drinking. So they had a winter festival. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things you may have heard of, though, is, you know, the Yule log or the Yule boar, which they claim is where we got our modern, you know, Christmas ham from. Um, So... It's so it's unclear how many of those traditions, if any, actually stem from Yule at all. And so those are the two major festivals that it's claimed Christmas was a repackaged version of. But if you listen to us describe them, they don't sound very much like Christmas, at least not the Christmas we have right now, for sure. Yeah. Like um, how, how many how how many uh, Christmas celebrations you've done outside of like an office party that are just like drunken debauchery in the streets? <laughs> you know? Hey, somebody get the bowl. <laughs> like, right. So, so uh, yeah, other uh, examples of traditions from Saturnalia. One that I thought was fun was the Lord of Misrule or the Lord of Mischief, who would be like basically a party goer would be crowned king of the party and they yeah. could like give orders to other party goers. Seems like a fun game. Definitely nothing I've ever done at Christmas. Although we may want to incorporate that. I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, I wish Christmas was like that's Saturnalia sounds pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. So it's surprising you say that there is a new thing called neo-paganism where they go and they reclaim some of these old pagan rituals. And most times it's atheists who are doing this to try to make Christmas their own thing that isn't Christian. But 
So, okay. So it doesn't sound from the descriptions at least that they just like took this festival that already happened exactly as it was happening and then called it Christmas. But what if they just took the date? Like maybe they said, okay, we're not going to celebrate Saturn anymore. Now we're going to do our own Christmas thing, but we're going to do it at the same time. Uh, when this claim is given, it's usually uh, some kind of like PR move or because it'd be like easy, but whatever the point is, Saturnalia, the claim is, was or insert your festival, was celebrated on the 25th. So they just took out that and inserted Christmas. Which, and on face value, seems like a legit claim and something that you shouldn't have to research, right? Like, Well, it's plausible. So it's not something I'd reject out of hand. It would be like, okay, well, that I, I could see that happening. Now let me go see if that actually happened, right? right. So <clears throat> it turns out we do know when Saturnalia was celebrated. The actual day was the 17th of December, or the equivalent in their calendars. Uh, you can read this in various sources, the Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, the Roman Festivals by William Fowler, who was an early, early 20th century historian. And uh, you can find his work online for free. According to all these variety of sources, Saturnalia itself fell on the 17th. But Saturnalia, the festival, continued on after that. So how long it continued on varied by time. We can read uh, uh, accounts of Emperor Augustus uh, trying to limit the celebration to three days because I guess it had been gotten excessive. We have to remember, like, Businesses shut down. They didn't declare wars. They didn't have trials. Like, like it was a big deal, you know. So Emperor Augustus tried to shorten it to three days. Uh, Caligula, according to the author Suetonius, extended the holiday to five days because you know he wanted to please the people, <laughs> you know. But in any case, whether it was three or five or however many days it, it, from the seventeenth, that doesn't get you to the twenty fifth. Yeah, they get you to the the 22nd at the best, right? right? Get you to the 22nd at the best, and it wouldn't have even been that far throughout all of history. So you're not all the way to the 25th anyway. And even if you were like, like, wouldn't you steal the 17th? That's when the like the festival starts, you know? Like, why why would you steal the ends? That doesn't make much sense. Uh, The date just doesn't hold up. But the winter solstice is a lot more plausible because the 25th of December is actually when the Romans thought the solstice was. They were wrong, but that's what they thought. And it seems like that's an auspicious time to pick out a date for um, for the Romans to or for the Christians. So that, that's a reasonable supposition. The problem is that no ancient writer seems to make this connection in a causative way. So whenever the ancient writers are talking about – if it's mentioned at all, it's kind of a mention like, oh, isn't this convenient? Not like – as it's the solstice, therefore it's Christ, right. you know? So it's possible that that factored into the decision, but there's no evidence that that was the reason. And in a minute, I'll get into some good reasons why that may not be the case. But okay, so it wasn't the solstice, or maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Definitely wasn't Saturnalia. What about Mithras? If especially, you may not know who Mithras is unless you've read Richard Carrier, in which case you know all about Mithras. Everything there's no, and yeah, probably if you read more. Richard Carrier, then you're probably not listening to us because you're you're a big nerd like Jordan <laughs> and I. So. Right. Uh, so for those of you who aren't steeped in Jesus mythicism, <laughs> uh, Mithras was well. Even this is contentious, but Mithras was a Roman god 
that was worshipped starting around the first century, see, so around the time of Jesus, and then going into the third or fourth centuries. Uh, there are supposedly, we are told, a ton of parallels between the Roman god Mithras and Jesus. They were born of a virgin. It was on the 25th of December. They died and again, on and on and on and on. I'm not going to touch most of those because they're not pertinent to today, but the claim that he was born on the 25th to a virgin is pertinent because if that was the case, maybe they stole that, right? Well, something to remember is that the worship of Mithras was uh, a mystery cult. It was a mystery religion. So the Mithraic cult being a mystery religion means that their teachings were secret. They didn't give them to outsiders, presumably under some serious pain. We don't know because we have none of their writings. Because it was a mystery. Right. right. <laughs> because it was a mystery. So nobody wrote it down because if you wrote it down, it might get out, right? And you don't yeah. want it to get out. It's kind of like if you're part of like the Masons or something, you know, you, you don't, they, they don't, well, I guess some. Well, nowadays you do because you put a bumper sticker, right? Yeah. Right. But it, it's that kind of like secret society thing, but taken very seriously. The only evidence we have of this cult comes from their iconography, their statues, and the inscriptions on these statues. So that's all that the historians have to go off that and like what other people have written about them. But again, these are people outside of the mystery cult talking about it. We don't have any like book of Mithras basically is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But we do have some portrayals, including some portrayals of the birth of Mithras. And they have him usually emerging from stone fully formed, carrying a torch and a dagger. Now, it's been a minute since I read Matthew or Luke, uh, Jared. Can you remind me how many verses, like in which version does he pop out of a stone fully formed carrying weapons? That's the gospel of Rambo. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not, uh, anyways. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's like literally nothing that says that he was born on the 25th. It's just a thing people say. Now, one hypothesis for how this this has kind of gotten embedded in the public consciousness could be because Mithras was sometimes associated with the sun. In some of the inscriptions, he's called Mithras Sol Invictus. That's one of the titles among many that he has. And there is a feast dedicated to the birth of Sol Invictus on the 25th, maybe. There's like one reference centuries after the fact about a birth of a sun god, maybe on the 25th. It's pretty flimsy evidence, but at least there is a reference, okay? So the problem is that Sol Invictus is a totally different god. And I know that sounds confusing. Mithras, Sol Invictus, and Sol Invictus are two separate people, but they are, and we know they are because Sol Invictus and Mithras, Sol Invictus are literally pictured sometimes next to each other like they're talking. They're different gods. Uh, Sol Invictus, incidentally, was the god that Constantine worshipped prior to converting to Christianity and like, and I think of uh, Constantine's father as well. Right. So, Which may, may be why some people make this connection that it was stolen or switched over to Christianity. So that's true. That's another reason why you might make that connection, but there's no evidence that Mithras was thought to be born on the 25th. Um, that's, that's at best a, a misunderstanding of the evidence that we have as an aside. Mithra, the Mithraic cult was a mystery religion. Why would a mystery secret cult have a super public flashy holiday to steal? Like that just doesn't <laughs> seem to make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. They, that's they weren't side. very good at their, their mysterious ways. Yeah, so. yeah I guess. <laughs> so. so 
another problem. So, so we've seen some issues, some some misalignments. Another problem with this narrative that the Christians stole these, that this birth date and slapped it on Jesus is not all Christians celebrated the birth of Jesus on the 25th. First of all, early the earliest Christians didn't celebrate the birth of Jesus at all. Um, in fact, one early church father origin publicly mocked the celebration, like birth celebrations as like a pagan ritual that he didn't want any part of. The Eastern church has settled on the date of January 6th, which if you'll get out your calendars is not December 25th. And so the claim, even that like the Christians, like as a monolithic thing, pick the 25th, like that doesn't work because they definitely didn't. Right. So it, it's possible that some Christians co-opted Saturnalia in the West or whatever date you want to give. And the ones in the East just didn't get along. Okay, maybe that happened. But there's another hypothesis that seems to explain the evidence a little better. Uh, some scholars believe that ancient people around this time linked the births and deaths of states. So it was considered auspicious that they would be born or conceived rather and die on the same day. And some evidence of this is writings from ancient church fathers and ancient theologians that seem to draw a parallel between the conception of Jesus and his death. For example, Augustine in his book on the Trinity, book four, chapter five says, for he is believed to have been conceived on the 25th of March, upon which day also he suffered. So the womb of the virgin in which he was conceived, where no one of the mortals was begotten, corresponds to the new grave in which he was buried, wherein was never man laid, neither before nor since, but he was born according to tradition upon December the 25th. And so he's clearly drawing a very strong parallel. He was born or conceived on the 25th of March, and that's when he died, and that's what's important. And because of that, the 25th would be his birthday because plus nine months. Well, the important thing there is there's no evidence of that whatsoever. <laughs> uh, those are just beliefs and traditions. So but there's no evidence that it actually happened that way. But right. the point is, like, this is what Christians believed. Correct. Right. Yeah. And another example of that is Hippolytus in his book uh, Commentary on Daniel, Book Four, twenty three point three. He's writing earlier, around the year two hundred. For the first advent of our Lord in the flesh when he was born in Bethlehem was December 25th, Wednesday. Guess he nailed it way down. While Augustus <laughs> was in his 42nd year, but from Adam, 5,500 years. Man, he like, he had it out. He suffered, he suffered in the 33rd year, March 25th, fi Friday, the 18th year of Tiberius Caesar. So again, drawing a parallel between the day he suffered and the day he was conceived. And from there, they calculate the day he was born. Now, it's possible that this was a backwards calculation. We know he was born on the 25th, so we're going to project backwards to when he was conceived. But uh, the Eastern Church also celebrated a day exactly nine months from when they thought he was crucified. So they, using their calendar, came up with a slightly different date for the crucifixion of April 6th, and nine months from there is January 6th. Now, that could be a complete coincidence, but this... This hypothesis explains all of the data points, and it has at least some basis in historical fact or writings. So all of this is to say it's almost certainly not a straight grab from Saturnalia because that didn't even cover the right date. 
it might possibly be related to the solstice or, you know, that might have played into it. <clears throat> it seems more likely that the it landed on the solstice kind of indirectly through happenstance because of when they thought the crucifixion was and because of ancient traditions about spirituality. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that kind of the festivals and the solstice of things, but one of the claims that I hear a lot though, is that this was a conscious decision by the Christian church in like the third or fourth century to take over these pagan holidays, because you can't have all these pagans out there celebrating. So we got to give them something Christian that they can do. And so boom, Christmas. Right. Re regardless of when the day lands on or exactly what happened, this seems to be like the, the claim. And I think this is the driving force behind a lot of these rumors is that Somehow, if you can show that it was a conspiracy or it was a, a dis, an intentional choice to take over this holiday that would somehow undermine the holiday in some way, I'm not – no one ever really makes explicit why that would be the case, but – I think just some people <laughs> just like being dicks. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. You know, you can rub it in the Christian's noses. Oh, look, you stole from pagans 2,000 years ago, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But regardless, there's a there's – a, simple problem with this that there's just there's no evidence of that yeah like maybe you know uh it, it's kind of thrown out there as if this would be an obvious thing to do but there's no text there's no writing from anyone saying that they did this or alluding to any or accusing the christians of doing this or on either side it was just nobody ever says this so it's just completely pulled up out of whole cloth not to mention the fact that at the time this is happening, so we saw a writing from Hippolytus that was in 200. In 200, there wasn't a centralized authoritative church that could make these kind of decisions. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find any churches at that time, like, you know, big traditional churches, like the archaeological digs. Like, there's only like one or two sites of an actual church that they can discover around that time, so... Right. It was often you were worshiping in a house, and they yeah. sometimes they had buildings that varied wildly from place to place. And some churches were more influential, influential than others. The church at Rome was more influential than some random church in Gaul, you know. And so what happened in Rome would tend to propagate outwards. But nobody in Rome was saying it's the 25th, and everyone else was like, oh, well, the Romans said it, so therefore, you know, on penalty yeah. of, like, the Inquisition or something. The Pope sends mm -hmm. out his tweet, hey, new update, Christmas is now the 25th, we're getting rid of these pagan holidays, uh, go right. for it. Basically, there wasn't any enforcement structure to do this. So even if, the Christ even if a Christian bishop had wanted to do this, there'd be no way for him to do that. Not until Constantine converts, which is for hundreds of years later, and by that time the 25th had already been well established. So by the time they get any kind of enforcement mechanism to make this happen, it, it's already done. Yeah, and even Constantine didn't convert the, the Roman Empire to Christianity. In fact, he wanted a lot of uh, freedom of religion within the empire because it kept people happy, you know? So. Right. That's a common misconception um, that Constantine made paganism like outlawed and made Christianity the church of the state, which is false. He actually wrote the Edict of Milan with his co-emperor, which explicitly enshrined freedom of religion as a right in the Roman Empire. Basically, it decriminalized Christianity and said, you guys can worship whatever God you want and however you want. We don't care. Yeah. And so. it wasn't until one of his successors, Theodosius, who then made it the official state religion. Um, and started more obvious persecutions and things like that. So, 
So no evidence whatsoever to anything that we've uh, stated so far. Um, right. That's not to say that there's zero influence. It, I mean, the fact that there was this major festival and people were used to celebrating, I'm sure it made the sugar, like the pill go down easier to have your own celebration, you know? But again, that's influence. That's not straight stealing, you know? Right. And I, there's also, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I've heard of inscriptions where uh, a person is beseeching to zeus and thor and jesus and like just any god who will listen so it also <laughs> wasn't this start like a, a lot of christians did cease their worship of pagans they were punished for this for a lot for um for the for exactly that reason but i'm sure there were also christians who like got like i mean the 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 patricians are paying for free booze and meat like come on you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a party in the street. I'm going to be there. So, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, well, the other thing that I we've heard made claims about mm-hmm. is that you know Christmas decorations were actually just things adopted from these pagan things. So, like maybe the actual holiday wasn't you know a direct steal, but the things that we do at Christmas time were stolen from these religions, right? So, one of the examples right. is decorating with holly or evergreen trees. Um, and so I went, it was funny, I was doing some research for this and I found uh, history.com, you know, the television show um, channel. And they had an article on there about that Saturnalia was common for people to decorate the the temples in green boughs of holly and stuff. Well, I mean, if history, the history channel said it, it must it's be gotta, true. It's got to be right, right? Yeah. For sure. Well, the only problem with that is once again, there is not a single shred of evidence that they used to decorate the temples on Saturnalia with, you know, green boughs of holly. So uh, it's just. Yeah. And even if there were, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that in some kind of solstice festival in Gaul or in Germania, they used holly branches and fir trees or whatever to decorate. Something you have to remember is this is in winter, right? Yeah. And if you're like a farming community in winter and you want to decorate with something other than dead branches, yeah. what are you going to decorate with? Yeah, that's Charlie only, Brown. So right. like, the only stuff that's still green, which is the holly bushes and the evergreen trees, like that's all you've got, yeah. you know? So even if there was evidence of this, I would argue that's not necessarily stealing because it's like this, it. It would be stealing in the same sense that the Mayans stole from the Egyptians when they both built pyramids. It's because they're both building the same thing with the same laws of physics. Yeah. Well, these guys are all decorating in winter. You know, like what else are you going to do? What else are you going to use exactly? Well, so the earliest known use of an actual Christmas tree that we have is from Germany in 1576. I mean, so that is way far removed from uh, any of these Roman, you know, pagan religions or even the the Norse religions too. So there's some uh, thought among historians that the use of the tree may have actually sprung from Christian traditions completely because the tree was a common thing pictured um, in the garden of Eden, taking the fruit. And so, you know, trees uh, fit in Christian iconography already. Right. Uh, so I imagine that- you're pulling on a Christmas play and you want to depict a green tree with some red fruit on it. Uh, 
well, all the other trees are dead, but you have this evergreen. So you go cut down an evergreen tree right. and then you put red apples all over it to signify the forbidden fruit. And right. you're, you know, so guess now, what? That looks like Christmas balls. Right. Or- <laughs> now, that may be a stretch. It may not have actually worked out that way. But the, the point is, right. there's there's no evidence that Christians said, oh, look at those pagans decorating a fir tree with holly branches and mistletoe. Like, there's just no evidence of that. Yeah. So what about Santa Claus? Well, I mean, if anything is pagan, it's got to be Santa Claus, right? Right. So the thing with Santa Claus is there is a long, long, long and super complex history to how of this amalgamation that we now know as Santa Claus. Um, So we'll just give like a brief overview because you could literally spend like an entire coursework in in your graduate studies learning about Santa Claus. It's that much stuff. But uh, the earliest known person that we come to know as St. Nicholas uh, is actually St. Nicholas of Mira. And he supposedly lived around 270 to 340. So the end of the third century, beginning of the fourth century. Um, and the earliest mentions that we have of him is from a Byzantine historian named Procopius of Caesarea, I think. But he was writing around 560. And it was only a mention that Constantinople uh, was dedicating a shrine to St. Nicholas. So the only mention we have up to history at that point is that somebody, Constantinople, was decorating. That's it. And then the next mention we have is in 600. So this is over 200 years after he supposedly lived. Um, oh, at 600, it, that would be close to like 300 years. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess if you go from the day yeah. he was born. So I mean, like it's a long <laughs> time removed, right? So a lot of stuff. And all that is is just a passage saying that uh, this other St. Nicholas, uh, who was not St. Nicholas of Mira, but St. Nicholas of Sion, visited the tomb of St. Nicholas of Mira, which is – so anyways. So one St. Nick visited the tomb of another St. Nick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that, those are only two brief hist- um, mentions we have in history up until you get to around 840 uh, where Michael of um, – Michael the Archmandrite, and he gave a, a account of – uh, St. Nicholas's life. But this account that he gave is actually just, it's very crazy. It's just full of like all these miracle stories. It's mostly fiction. Uh, there's hardly any relevant thing in there that has well, to do with history. Hang on. Which which St. Nick though? Oh, so St. Nick of Mira. Of okay. Mira. Okay. So okay. definitely not Sion. Right. So so the story goes that St. Nick of Mira, the first St. Nick, is the the origins of our Saint Nick that we have now. Okay. And so the way that they get there is that this um, Michael, the arch mandrite, Archie mandrite, I don't even know how to say that, but um, some of the stories from this account of his life are actually pretty crazy. And one of them is that he would sneak out at night with this large sack of gold coins and give it to like these, these young girls and like hide gold coins. <laughs> it's really that weird. That sounds man. creepy as hell, man. <laughs> it's like, su- super weird, super creepy. But apparently this was a very popular story during the Middle Ages. And people kept retelling it, retelling it about St. Nicholas going out at night and secretly giving out gold coins. And so if you – Hey, little girl. <laughs> yeah. Like some money? Would you <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what that, that weird. Started. That was very weird. Uh, around the English Reformation – these stories of St. Nick in England were actually replaced by Father Christmas. Um, they think that it was done just for Christmas tide season and they just replaced St. Nick with Father Christmas. And then 
so I mean, that's the English Reformation. And now when you get to the Americans uh, around 1800, the term that they use for Father Christmas was actually Christkind, uh, and that's German, and that's where we get the root for Kris Kringle. So, um, but the very first, the, the earliest depiction we have of what we would consider a modern Santa Claus, so like white beard, you know, reindeer, all that stuff, isn't until 1821. Um, so, and through this entire tale, what you may have noticed missing is any pagans at all yeah it's all christian stuff right right christian from start to finish yeah the only thing that is possibly connected to a pagan source is they claim that um odin was the original inspiration for saint nicholas uh and the reason they say this was that uh, one of the terms used to refer to odin or one of his titles was long which means long beard and so that's Literally the only connection. So Santa's got a beard and Odin has a beard. Boom. There you go. (laughs) What what more evidence do you need? (laughs) Yeah. So needless to say, like Jordan pointed out, the entire thing is Christian. From the very beginning, it's a Christian saint all the way up until the very end and not a single mention of any pagan source. So I think we can kind of rule out that. And last and probably least – this one I think is the silliest claim at all of all is that Christmas carols were somehow pagan. Uh, now Christmas carols, of course, are songs that we sing during Christmas. Uh, the term carol is a song that was sung in a circle, right? Right. And they would be song. They would be sung particularly when you didn't have music to accompany you, which happens sometimes. And you had carols for weddings and carols for harvest and carols for this and carols for that. And you had Christmas carols. Uh, they were just songs that were sung around Christmas that were for the occasion. And the only connection that we can find to like pagan traditions is the fact that during these pagan festivals, you know what? Pagans also sang songs. Yeah. So. It's like, weird. <laughs> you get people together without iPhones or TVs. Guess what they have to do? Right. They have like, to sing. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, the other carol traditions just didn't seem to survive. But for whatever reason, the carols for Christmas survived and we have Christmas carols today. But yeah, like the only the connect, like the, the, content, the connection is, hey, people sang sometimes. Like that's all you've got, you know? Right. But, but what we hear, though, from a lot of atheists is like, oh, Christmas carols were stolen from pagan traditions. It's like. No man, you can't say that. <laughs> like, like show me, show me the specific Christmas carol that has pagan roots. Like, point to the one. Even not even today. Like, point to one that was sung. I don't know in the 1500s or something. You know, like yeah. which one? If if the only thing you're saying is the very act of singing was done by pagans first, well, I mean, yeah, because pagans <laughs> existed before the Christians. Exactly. You know. Well, <laughs> I find it interesting that, uh, you know, Christmas is the one holiday that kind of kept singing the carols going. But minus Adam Sandler, we don't have a single Thanksgiving song. Unless you consider Arlo Guthrie's, you know, breakfast at whatever that thing is. But um, uh, uh, you can get anything you want. Alice's Restaurant. Yeah, Alice's Restaurant. Yeah. So That's there true. you go. <laughs> so minus those two songs, like there aren't any like Thanksgiving carols, you know. <laughs> 
We could make we can make that happen. It yeah, might help might help uh the illegal occupation of November by Christmas. <laughs> oh. Okay. So after all of this, it doesn't seem like any of the traditions that we have for Christmas even coming up ha- have persisted to today. Another thing to remember is that how we celebrate Christmas right now in the 21st century in America is not the same as how Christmas was celebrated in Rome in the year 500. Or yeah. in America in 1900. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. So again, traditions change over time. And like we said, even if, even if every single one of these claims was true, even if they did repackage Saturnalia, even if they did steal the date, even if all of this was true, that still would not mean that a Christian was celebrating a pagan holiday because obviously they're not. They're celebrating the birth of Christ Jesus, their God, who right. is not a pagan God. Well, some some people do. I mean, I celebrate Christmas and I think Jordan celebrates Christmas. Like, we yeah. don't celebrate like the Christian birth of Jesus, but I mean, yeah, I've, got other a, stuff. I've got a Christmas tree right behind me right now. I love Christmas. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I sing Christmas carols and I'm not talking wimpy atheist Christmas carols, like come all ye faithful, God rest you merry gentlemen, like, you know, yeah. away in a manger, you know. And we do it because it's it's part of our rituals. It's what we do at that time of the season. So like here we are atheists celebrating Christmas, you know, doing Christmas carols and I got stockings hang up on my fireplace right now. So and that's the whole nothing- point is has yeah. nothing to do with pagans. Like even if the traditions did have roots in a different cultural religion, that doesn't mean that people celebrated them today right now are doing anything other than what they're telling you they're doing. Right. The whole point is people do things that people do and it doesn't mean they're nefariously like stealing something or co-opting something, you know, it's like. Right. Yeah. So atheists, you can just go ahead and stop accusing christians of stealing saturnalia but if you want to celebrate saturnalia go ahead it seems like it's awesome we uh we might need to look into a little bit more saturnalia (laughs) and christians if you want to celebrate christmas feel free of the green light looks like everything you're doing probably did not stem from the worship of mithras two thousand years ago if that's that makes you feel better yeah basically everybody can celebrate christmas however you want (laughs) exactly uh, but don't take our word for it because we're just some atheists on the internet spouting a bunch of stuff. Like, go look it yeah. up yourself. We're just two idiots, neither of which are experts in these fields. So we've given you a couple sources as we've been going. We've been citing some sources. But uh, you can Google various sources. Make sure you're looking at good, reputable sources, not history.com. Uh, but <laughs> make sure you're like reading an actual historian If you can possibly find the original book they're citing. So if they say, hey, Augustine said this in this book, you can probably go find the book that they're talking about and read it. It it is amazing how many books have been digitized and are accessible for free online. It was funny because I was actually doing research for this podcast and I was complaining to Jared. I was like, I'm trying to find this one book from a guy named – it was like Marsopius or something yeah. who wrote in 200 and I can't find it in English for free. And this is BS. Like how entitled am I that there's a very specific book written by a minor figure in Rome 1800 years ago 
and I can't find it. And that's annoying because I can find all the other ones. Yeah, that's hilarious. I used to do this when I was an undergrad was if I wanted to research something, I would go to the, we call them stacks over at UVA, go get a book and like make it like a treasure hunt where you got to go find the book and like open it up and read. It's a fun experiment. So if you're a nerd, but. Right. I also find it interesting when I'm reading things, particularly plays and stuff, just to see how it obviously sounds different because the language has changed, but like how human it all sounds. You know, if you're reading yeah. like depictions of festivals, like reading how Saturnalia was performed, like that is like straight out of Mardi Gras. You know, it's, it's, it really it's, is. it's exactly the same. <laughs> Humans have not changed at all in 2000 years. It, it really gives you a sense of connection with, you know, humanity throughout history, too. So, right. I feel like I could go back in time 2000 years and I wouldn't know any of the language or anything, but I feel like I could get down. Like, I feel <laughs> like I could get along. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh, Barbecue and beer? Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Who are we worshiping today? Got it. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Io Saturnalia. So, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Uh, hope you learned something. Hope you can take this knowledge and go to your Christmas party and prove yourself superior to everyone else because isn't that really what Christmas is all about? I mean, you got to give, you know, your self-righteousness to everyone you meet. So Right. What is the point of knowing things if you can't lord it over other people <laughs> to show that you're superior? Really? Uh, when you're doing that, make sure you tell them where you learned all this stuff. Direct them to our podcast if they don't believe you. Um, if you think someone else might uh, find it interesting, share it around. All those sort of things really help the channel. Um, if you want to correct us or you think we got something wrong or you want to give us your input maybe some customs we missed feel free to comment on youtube or on facebook or hit us up on twitter uh we read all of those comments even if we don't respond to them and if you have an idea of what we should cover next we're always looking for new topics i believe the next topic we're going to be talking about is horoscopes yeah we're gonna be getting our horoscopes read and we're gonna figure out what's in the store for us in the future so Right. We are going to literally predict the future live on air. So don't miss it. Uh, but until then, Merry Christmas. And remember, you always have reason to doubt. Peace out. <laughs>